I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith in our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Every once in a while, we have a show that I just cannot wait to share with you. And this is one of those. This has been on the books for just a little while, and I have just been on pins and needles uh, to share this conversation with you today. As later in the show, we're going to be talking with David Dawson, who is the Director of Marriage and Family Life for the Archdiocese of New Orleans, Louisiana. He's also the coordinator, the, the national coordinator for a program called Domestic Church that you can find over at domesticchurchfamilies.com. Now, I first met David years ago when I was a family life director myself, and I was just enthralled with this program at that time. I was never able to get it into my diocese uh, while I was working there. However, for those of you listening in Oklahoma City, it's coming your way very soon. Uh, February 1st through 4th is uh, the beginning retreat that's called the Evangelization Retreat. It's happening at the Pastoral Center in Oklahoma City. And so I brought David on today because I want you to know about this, and I want you to go to it. If you're not in the Oklahoma City area and you're not really within driving distance, which I know some of you aren't, uh, they are all over the country, and they're always looking for new places to be. So go take a look after the show, after you have fallen in love with it like I have, Then go over to domesticchurchfamilies.com and find the one that's in your area or communicate with them and see if you can help bring it to where you are. So today we're going to be talking about strengthening our families uh, through spiritual practice. This is not rocket science. This is strictly becoming an intentional disciple of Jesus Christ in your family not just by yourself, not just your own personal time with God, but but making it part of the fabric of your familial existence. And this does not happen accidentally, and it can't happen naturally. It's hard enough for us to make discipleship a part of our individual existence, to say, I am going today to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to uh, to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as it says in the Scripture, and I'm going to do everything today in view of Christ's mercy. I'm going to, to, first of all, receive Christ's mercy as I walk throughout my day, and then I'm also going to let that flow off of me and onto others. That's, that's hard enough and takes a significant amount of intentionality. But now we're moving into our family and saying, I want to be a disciple not just for myself, but with my family. I want my family to live out the mercy of God and to experience it individually and corporately. And not only do I want to live it out in my family, I want it to uh, to flow from my family onto everyone else. Family's a tricky thing because we know where everybody's buttons are, right? My children, they are they are still young. Uh, our oldest son is is ten. Uh, and, and the siblings just go down from there. And, uh, and they still, they know exactly what to do to get the other one mad. It's easy for us to, to let that familiarity breed a little bit of contempt and for us to push one another's buttons. Uh, and because of that, it takes that much more effort to take that vulnerability that we have with one another and to turn it and orient it toward uh, righteousness rather than uh, getting our own desires met through through the pestering of those who are closest to us. 
And this can happen not only with siblings, but with husband and wife, where you spend so much time around one another. You, you kind of finish their sentence. You, you finish the argument in your head before you even start it because you know exactly what it is they're going to say. And so now we don't even communicate. We assume what's going on. And so those who we are most uh, close to, those who we are most vulnerable with, uh, now all of a sudden they also become those who we most take for granted and least listen to. And even if this doesn't manifest in a way where you are uh, antagonistic with one another, uh, even if you just kind of pass like ships in the night, there's this tendency to assume that we know our spouse so well that we don't actually have to have that conversation. We don't actually have to pray together. We don't actually have to engage with a faith beyond sitting in mass together, surrounded by children, spending most of our attention on making sure the children behave rather than actually spending time together in worship of the Almighty God, receiving Him through the sacrament of the Eucharist. And in some ways, this can be more dangerous for our spiritual health than, than those who are actively uh, fighting one another. Because the, the one who is engaged in a fight knows that something is less than desirable. They know that something is wrong. They know that something needs work. Even if they assume that it's all on the other person, they have a recognition that something's not quite right here. And it's very easy when you get in that situation where you're just kind of coasting through marriage and you're, you're, you're using the inertia that has come before and you're not engaged as a husband and wife and you're not engaged in the sacrament of marriage, you're not engaged in, in living your faith in your marriage, uh, all of a sudden when trouble hits, it's, you, you get blindsided by it. You get shocked by it because you've taken for granted that, well, I've, I've got a fairly decent marriage. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Outside the Walls, and we're talking about supercharging our marriages by becoming intentional disciples of Jesus Christ in our family, by making it part of our, uh, our familial fabric of existence. So like I was saying, you, this does not happen by accident. There, there comes a moment where you have to look in the eyes of your spouse and say, you know, I love you. And, and I know that I love you, and I've said that I love you, and, and we have been doing life uh, just kind of on autopilot. And we need some time together. We need to figure this thing out in a way that we're not just existing, but we are thriving. And so maybe that means getting away, uh, finding someone uh, who is gullible enough to watch the children. Uh, <laughs> Uh, getting, a, getting a hotel or a bed and breakfast, or maybe you don't have that kind of capability, get a tent, go camping. Find some way. Send the kids to someone else's house. Find some way that you can put everything else aside and sit down and look deeply into one another's eyes and ha have a conversation. How are we doing? What, what, what's been going on? What's, what have I done recently that's bugged you? And what can I do to fix that? And, and then vice versa. Here are some things that have been troubling to me, and I, I, you know, I haven't known what to say. I didn't, I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to cause trouble. And if you can do that in a way where you are not uh, accusing the other person, if you can do that in a way where you're talking about your own 
experience and, and not so much uh, assigning blame. If you can do that in a way where there is mutual trust and respect and there is an understanding that I want us to be the best that we can be, then that conversation can serve as a starting point to launch you into intentionality in your spiritual life. Nothing in our relationship as husband and wife can happen without our intention to do so. Nothing in our spiritual life is going to happen without our intention to do so. And of course, we can't stop with intention, but intention has to be the catalyst. We have to say, I want our prayer life to be different. You have to start there before you can now begin to create a plan for what your prayer life should look like. You have to say, I want the way that we react to one another and converse with one another uh, to be different. I want it to be something that is is edifying, that, that builds you up, that when I finish talking with you, you feel like you can do anything. And when you finish talking to me, I feel rejuvenated. But in order to do that, we have to take a really honest look at ourselves and say, where are we? How are we doing? Are we relating to one another with sarcasm and uh, cynicism? Are we saying things that, that belittle one another in front of other folks? Are, are, we, are we really putting one another first? And those uncomfortable questions can very easily come with some uncomfortable answers to where we can say, you know what? We have not been doing as well as we thought. We really need to make our faith a priority. We really need to make uh, one another a priority to where we are building one another up and helping each other get to heaven because that's our vocation in marriage is to help our spouse get to heaven. And these conversations, these uncomfortable conversations, these awkward conversations, uh, they, they can't be done without a huge dose of humility to realize that the problem in our communication may be with me. The, the, the problems that are going on in our marriage, they may be with me, and I may be the one who really has to submit to the voice of the Holy Spirit and make some changes in the way that I interact with my family, the way that I interact with, with my spirituality, the way that I incorporate my faith into my life. But if we can come to those questions honestly, and we can take a really hard look at ourselves individually and a hard look at ourselves as a couple, we can make a huge difference in our life moving forward. Not only in our experience of life, but in the experience of life of our children and our grandchildren and beyond. That's why today we're going to be talking with David Dawson of Domestic Church Families because it is one of the greatest frameworks I know that can help you as a family ask these questions and make changes that will impact generations. This is one of those episodes that I hope you share because this is a need in our society. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com. There you'll find all the archives. You can share it on your social media and help those in your circle of influence. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. 
But today we're talking about family, talking about uh, family in a very specific way with a friend of mine. David Dawson is the Director of Marriage and Family Life for the Archdiocese of New Orleans in Louisiana, uh, but he's also the National Coordinator for a program called Domestic Church. And I love this program. Uh, I've not ever been a part of it yet. I haven't had the opportunity. But what I love about this program is there are so many programs out there that will help you with your marriage. You go for a weekend, you spend some time together, and then you go home and you try to implement it. But this program is not about going away and fixing your marriage and coming back and implementing it. This is about daily discipleship for the rest of your life. David, great to have you on the show today. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this is domestic church thing has been such a gift, you know, and, and working with marriage and family life, the office and everything, the... Um, the frustration sometimes at trying to provide folks and even myself, our own marriage, trying to find the thing that's going to provide that the, you know, the leap that we're looking for, the, I guess the, the kind of handhold that we're looking for to move into some sort of newness, some sort of, you know, more openness to what God is doing than we already have. And for the most part, we feel like we're kind of taking shots in the dark and, you know, programs can kind of give us some insights here and there, but to really where the rubber meets the road, you know, I feel like, with marriage and with, with what's going on in our home and in our families where we are who we truly are, to get something that can help us make some changes there, I feel like is the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. You get all well, kind of great ideas and stuff, but yeah. Well, I love this program because it, it's not based on you going through a six-week study and having a little bit of accountability with people in your church. This is saying, hey, I want to be a disciple in my family for the whole of my life, and I want to do it with you fine folks right here that I'm going to meet with on a regular basis uh, once a year for retreat and and more often than that uh, in in between. Exactly. Yeah. So if a couple wants to take advantage of domestic church, it's a, you start with a couple's retreat so that you can have an experience of what does it look like for my wife and I to be kind of united and experiencing Christ uh, either for the first time or in a renewed way. And then we take that home and we can join a circle of four to seven other couples and a priest and we meet once a month. And the, the heart of those meetings, um, I think for the most part, we talk about regular meetings. We typically think about like, um, you know, going over new formation materials or, you know, learning something new or, or kind of like a Bible study type thing with couples, which is pretty awesome. I mean, that the idea of a Bible study with couples is great. However, um, it's, it's hard to make time for that kind of thing. Right. You know, I mean, we're so busy and, and, and although I do want improvements and stuff like that, like the once a month meeting or even like a once a week meeting, it's only so much you can do in a matter of, you know, a couple of hours with a group of other couples. But what makes this different and what, what we've experienced is that when we are at these meetings, the focus is on fleshing out what's been going on at home. Mm-hmm. What's like, what's working and what's not. And if something's not working, like if we've been talking about praying together for years, but we're still not doing it, like there's something going on there. You know, there's some obstacle that we just can't figure out. And once a month, we get to dig into that and figure out what is the roadblock here. You know, that can it, be a little know, yeah. that can be a little frightening to do that in front of four to four to seven other couples. That's right. Before we get too far into that, though, let's let's yeah. unpack a little bit about what domestic church is. First of all, this is a, a program that is native to Poland. Uh, yes. This came from um, a youth group. Uh, called Light and Life uh, that that met on a regular basis, kind of like uh, maybe focus missionaries here or something like that, where that you've got these young people who are dedicated to to God, and then they get married, and it's like, what what do I do now? Yeah. And so out of that, this this guy approached his bishop, and the bishop helped him create this uh, this program called Domestic Church 
uh, which here in the United States, you can find that at domesticchurchfamilies.com. And that guy's bishop just happened to be... Caravoy Tiwa, St. John Paul II. <laughs> I mean, that's it's, right. it's no big deal. You know, you, no big deal, not you, a huge deal. Yeah. You want, yeah, you want to no. grow, grow stronger in your marriage, maybe maybe go through the program of the Pope who gave us Familiaris Consortio, you know, just maybe. The body. Yeah, I mean, yes, exactly. No, and he was, so John Paul II actually got his idea for World Youth Day from these youth gatherings. They would have these big yearly retreats, you know, 15-day retreats up in the mountains and he would go, you know, during the summers, even when he was Pope, he would come back and he invited him to Castel Gondolfo a couple of times because he loved the energy and the faith and just the pure, I guess, the passion and the, you know, I guess the sincere drive of these young people. And so that's where he got his, his inspiration for World Youth Day. Um, but these young people were then getting married and realized kind of like we did when we first got married, like mm-hmm. we thought we, we were going to be like, you know, St. Louis and Zaley Martin, like from the year one, just because we had studied theology of the body, you know, right. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, uh, we had no idea what we were doing and <laughs> we were terrible at it, you know? And so we realized like, we need help because yeah. there's one thing, you know, being on my own journey of faith, but when there's another capital I in the picture, another mm-hmm. human being with her own will and her own relationship with God and her own weaknesses and my own weaknesses and, you know, we're speaking different languages, you know, basically from two different planets. How do we do this together? And it, it was our deepest desire to want to be on the same page, especially when it came to faith. And the places we weren't on the same page became huge sources of division. Mm-hmm. You know, like our faith, you know, I mean, it's a poor way of saying it, but our faith in some ways was a source of division, you know, which is, I know it's, it's, it's a dramatic way of saying it, but ultimately what we needed was some help to be able to uh, have a, what St. John Paul II called a conjugal spirituality mm-hmm. to where we were united in that road. Yeah. If you're just joining us today, we're talking with David Dawson. He's the director of marriage and family life for the Archdiocese of New Orleans and Louisiana, and also the national coordinator for domestic church, uh, a marriage program of, uh, that doesn't even really seem like a proper term to use a, a, a marriage yeah. program. This is, this is, uh, well, like supercharged. This is saying, hey, I'm going to follow Christ in every single aspect of my life. Now, when we right. talked about this before, you mentioned that domestic church is built on seven pillars. Uh, That's right. What What are those seven pillars and how does this program look different than any other retreat that I go to? Yeah. So basically, and what, what attracted us initially to domestic church was that it was based on these seven, what they call commitments or promises or gifts you know, uh, which I think is a better term, gifts. And and these seven things were nothing we had never heard before. Mm-hmm. Very, very simple, which at first it was like, that was both good news and kind of like, I mean, are you sure that's it? You know, <laughs> right. uh, but it's basically, so the first is uh, daily prayer with scripture. Mm-hmm. The second is daily individual prayers, so just putting myself in the presence of God, nothing mm-hmm. specific. The third is daily couple prayer. Mm-hmm. The fourth is daily prayer with my family. Uh, and all these things are just, it, there's not like necessarily specific, here's the scripture you use, here's the prayers you pray, right. but it's giving us formation and help to actually do them and to do them well, um, which is something that the church has always been providing for 2,000 years, but this is specific to the sacrament of marriage. So uh, scripture studies, number one, uh, individual prayers, number two, couple prayer is number three, family prayer. So all those three, all those four things happen on a daily basis. And then once a month, we have a couple dialogue, which is basically a three three-way conversation to my wife, myself, and God uh, to really get into how are we doing? What's going on with us? You know, extended over a period of time, maybe a couple of hours uninterrupted and in a prayerful sense, which 
I think for us at first, we were like, well, we talk all the time. And, you know, a lot of times it's serious and prayerful. But I mean, to be honest, how often do we give ourselves that kind of time? You know, right. so the sixth is um, is the rule of life. So we're cre- we're constantly creating and updating and tweaking and discerning a rule of life for our family. Mm-hmm. So domestic church doesn't necessarily give us a rule of life. We are making intentional decisions together as a couple, mostly based on those dialogues and our prayer together. And then the seventh commitment is a yearly retreat. And for the most part, that yearly retreat is a family retreat uh, over an extended period of time. And everywhere else in the world uh, where this exists, which is uh, a number of places, a number of countries, it's a 15-day retreat with the whole family. Mm -hmm. Here in the States, a little hard to make that happen. Uh, As it turns out, uh, the U.S. is number one, or sorry, is the very bottom of the list for giving vacation days. Uh, Mm -hmm. So... We uh, we have to do as of right now. We're t- we do an eight day retreat every year okay. uh, with the whole family. So those are the seven kind of pillars or found you know foundation gifts. And as you can see, there's nothing new here. Right. There's no new concepts, which is beautiful. Because if it's something new, if the only way we're going to get holy as a couple is to do something that nobody's ever done before, um, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. That I, means that you know yeah for two thousand years, what have we been doing? You know? I saw this great quote recently that the um, the important thing to do as a teacher in the Catholic Church is to be completely unoriginal. Yes. <laughs> right? And I mean, if the truth of the matter is, like, you know, uh, I, w- I think the problem is my spiritual pride is what kept me from really seeing these things as attractive and as a challenge. I was like, I do this kind of stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. We talk all the time. We pray together. You know, I pray, I do scripture. I know Lexio Divina, all this kind of stuff. And then once we started actually, like, kind of holding ourselves accountable for whether or not we were doing these things, as it turns out, I was just really proud of the few times that I did them. Right. right. And, of, you know, and, and of the knowledge I had as to why there would be a fruitful activity. It's kind of like watching a, a Kung Fu movie and be like, you know, if a crowd of bad guys, you know, kind of popped up, I could probably handle myself pretty well. I understand the general <laughs> principles, you know, <laughs> Yeah, but it's, yeah. I've, I've watched movies. Exactly. I watch football. I can handle, you know, I could, you, you can put me in coach. I can handle myself. <laughs> but the truth is, I think we just, you know, uh, we discovered that even some of the most active, well-formed, um, theologically educated couples, really, this is a, a long-term journey. Yeah. And the more, the more we travel down this journey, the more, the further we realize we have to go, even with something as simple as just putting myself in the presence of God every day, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a little period of time, that that's something I need and want to improve. And I need help with that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and frankly, through the gift of marriage, God has given you the, the best person in the world to help you with that and your spouse. Absolutely. But we have to put ourselves in a place where we're willing to listen to uh, not only their affection, but also sometimes their affectionate backhands. Uh, yes. we, we need to be improved. And sometimes that's uh, often that's painful as, exactly. we, as we shed those rough edges. Well, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit with you about your specific journey into domestic church. I want to get a little bit into what this rule of life may look like, what, it, what mm-hmm. it's looked like in your life. And, uh, and, and I want to get a little bit into how someone can get involved in their marriage with this amazing program, Domestic Church. Go to domesticchurchfamilies.com for more information and stick around because there's much more right after the break. Join us on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle's at outside the walls. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking with a friend of mine. He's the Director of Marriage and Family Life for the Archdiocese of New Orleans, also the National Coordinator for this amazing program called Domestic Church. David Dawson, thanks for being with us today. Absolutely, man. This is this is good stuff. So we first met in, uh, I think, in Dallas, Texas. No, St. Louis. St. At, Louis, uh, yes. at the NACFLM conference, which always sounds like you've got a cold. That's right. And you're trying to get something out. NACFLM is the National Association of Catholic Family Life Ministers back in the day when I was doing that work. Uh, yes. And, and you introduced me to this concept way back then. But my question for you is um, Domestic Church is a program out of Poland uh, right. that has, has been around for, for quite a long time in Poland. Yes. How did it get here and how did you get involved? Yeah, so it's it's been around for about getting close to fifty years in Poland, and uh, and really a lot of Europe and other places as well. Um, but I was asked to go help with some you know some other completely different work. Uh, I used to do some work for an abstinence, a secular abstinence education program for high school kids and middle school kids, and I was asked to go to help with the training in Poland. And I was going to say absolutely not, you know, because we were in the middle of some crazy family transition stuff and. God made it very clear that he wanted me to consider it. And um, so long story short, I went over there not really expecting, you know, it to go well. And uh, it was a little awkward, you know, being over there trying to do secular abstinence education when, you know, I learned very quickly that theology of the body ran through their blood over there. You know, the Catholic faith in Poland is very steeped in that understanding. And so it was, you know, clear that, that you know, secular abstinence education is not what they needed. But um, I met a couple over there who I had never met a holier, more joyful, generous, real, in love with one another couple in my life. And I mean, you know, they weren't like levitating. They weren't, you know, just constantly <laughs> on the same page or anything. Like she thought he was crazy and he thought she needed to kind of loosen up a little bit. And they were always kind of bickering and stuff, but in such a beautifully generous and humble, loving way. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we met their kids and I was like, what is the deal with you people? You know, and so <laughs> they began to share that they were involved with something called domestic church, um, which the term obviously was attractive to me. And that was for when, when you know, the, the term domestic church had first become kind of a mainstream thing. People were excited about that idea of the family as a domestic church. Uh, then they said that St. John Paul II was involved in getting it started and that he was a huge supporter of it. And I was like, OK. Obviously, you know, the more I learned about this thing, the more I learned that it was nothing new. It was just what we had, the church had always been providing, but just specifically for the married life and in a way that was going to be fruitful for a lifetime. Um, I knew that God was saying, all right, this, you know, clearly this is why he sent me to Poland. So I was like, look, we need to get this thing back to the States. We're about to move to Lake Charles, Louisiana to start doing some youth ministry over there. So obviously, you know, this is what needs to happen. They said, well, that, that's great. Uh, we got about 50 years, you know, at that time, 40 years worth of materials. Uh, and it's all in Polish. <laughs> and I was at the time I was like, oh, look, no problem. I'm American. We deal with this stuff all the time. We'll just get it translated. And they were like, oh, OK, well, good luck with that. And after two years of banging my head against the wall and realizing that Google Translate doesn't do a very good job with <laughs> you know, ch- church documents and such, <laughs> uh, they were doing their own discernment. And uh, I got called back to do some more help with that secular abstinence education program. And I knew why, you know, it was it was it wasn't random. And uh, I got to meet with the same couple and then the national coordinators over there. And they had been discerning and they had agreed to send us a couple of priests, and this is back in 2011, uh, to Lake Charles, Louisiana, to start us on our first retreat. And they agreed to start translating materials basically for the rest of their lives because they're constantly uh, updating and coming up with, with new materials 
formation materials based on the church documents and the writings of the Pope and that kind of thing. And um, basically, like they they kind of locked themselves down to be giving to us for the rest of their lives. And so we have been happily and joyfully and gratefully receiving this blessing from them for the past, what do we now? So 2011. So, you know, about six and a half years. Yeah. So we are, uh, we couldn't be more grateful. So it's been, you know, since then, uh, we started with about 15 couples and we're now up to about uh, just under 300 couples in, I think, nine different dioceses and growing quickly. Great. Here in the States, yes. If you're just joining us today, we're talking with David Dawson, National Coordinator of the program Domestic Church. Find out more about them over at domesticchurchfamilies.com. And in the last segment, we talked a little bit, David, about the seven pillars that this program is based yes. on. Nothing new. Uh, mainly around scripture and prayer and, and accountability, basically. That's right. That's right. But you used a term there, uh, talked about the family rule of life. And we have this concept a little bit of a rule of life with uh, with the rule of St. Benedict or uh, these monastic rules. And and we think, gosh, as a family, this, is that something that's doable? What does that look like? It seems restrictive. How am I going to pull this off? Talk to me a little bit about your experience with incorporating the rule into your family. Uh, mm-hmm. What shape did it take and how has it morphed maybe over the last few years? So when we first started with it, we kind of expected the domestic church would give us some specifics for our rule of life. And that didn't happen. They were pretty much just giving us formation as to how to build our own rule of life based on our prayer together. And especially based on our, our dialogues, which were, you know, basically taking and, and discussing the more kind of core issues of our marriage and our family in the, in the context of prayer. And so after that dialogue, we're challenged to make conscious, intentional decisions together about how we want to make changes or how we want to approach different issues. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so we were, you know, talking about at first it was we were going to try to make these big sweeping decisions and uh, none of that stuck for some reason. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so we had to go much smaller, uh, which ended up being ended up being much more difficult um, than I expected. Like, for instance, one of the things we had to decide was um, just something very specific, like we were watching a TV show that um we were, it was obviously a series on Netflix. We were watching and it was, we had discussed that it was making us cynical. Hmm. And we thought it was hilarious. We loved it, but it was causing us to, to, to be cynical about things that we thought were ridiculous, you know, and, and, and think that we're, everything is stupid, but us and this kind of, you know, ideal right. ideology. And we had talked about that and talked about maybe we shouldn't watch it anymore. But of course, without intentionally saying together, all right, as a part of a rule of life, we will no longer watch the show. It wasn't gonna, we weren't going to make any changes. Like we were going right. to still kind of basically um, look to the lowest common denominator, which was, well, she probably wants to watch it. And I don't want to put limitations on her. And she was thinking the same thing about me. So I guess we'll just keep watching it, you know. Right. And uh, so it wasn't until this rule of life thing came about that we were both able to say, all right, rule of life. We will no longer watch this show. And I got to tell you, it was so hard, you yeah. know, and I mean, spiritual pride, whatever other kind of pride would tell us, like, I could do that. That's not a problem, you know, or another one, you know, uh, to be a little candid with you here, one of the things my wife was always complaining about me taking my phone into the bathroom with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was another thing that like, you know, I was like, look, I get it. You know, I always take a lot longer and I'm leaving you with the kids or whatever. And, you know, I get lost in answering emails or whatever, but uh, it's not that big of a deal. And I really didn't want to do anything about it. So I would just kind of, you know, I agree with you. It's probably a problem, but whatever, we'll just deal with it. Mm-hmm. And until in our dialogue, she asked me, hey, look, do you think you can make this a part of a rule of life. And I was like, yeah, you know what, baby, for you, I will do that. Sure. No problem. I'll be Superman, <laughs> you know? 
And truth of the matter is, it is one of the most difficult things to not, I feel like I'm wasting time. So I find myself like reading the backs of shampoo bottles and stuff <laughs> just so I can at least do something. But it's, you know, I had to, to, to make it a rule of life. Otherwise, I got to tell you, I'm finding in our own lives and the lives of all these other couples that are involved in this thing to actually make changes in our day-to-day like nitty-gritty lives at home because most of these things we do without thinking. Right. Most of these decisions we make without thinking we're in the kind of habits of selfishness and limitations in certain ways. Um, we've got to be able to talk it out, make the change, you know, make the decision and write it down and mm-hmm. see it on a regular basis. Come back to it next month. How are we doing? Um, and this is just a part of what domestic church provides us with just that basic structure that we otherwise just won't do, you know? So in a lot of ways, this rule of life is just saying, Hey, we're going to have these conversations about important things. And then we're actually going to hold ourselves accountable to these decisions. Uh, otherwise we never grow in holiness. Yeah, and it could be something as big as are we going to take another job or move? Uh, are we going to have cable? Are we going to how are we going to deal with this particular issue with a child, financial decision making to something as small as, you know, uh, what are we going to do this evening? I mean, you know, or, on how often are we going to watch TV, you know, right. something like that. So um, but all everything in between, whatever needs to be dealt with, we're now, given the opportunity to do that. Now, the way that people get involved with domestic church, the program is by going on an, an evangelization retreat. That's Correct. the very that's the very first step into it. Husband and wife go together. They go alone, uh, and they get to know one another in in the confines of this this lifestyle. You have one of those coming up in Oklahoma City uh, the first yes. weekend of February for February first through fourth. Uh, people can find out about that over on your website domesticchurchfamilies.com. dot um, But you also have others for people who are not in the Oklahoma area that's right, uh, that that's are all right. listed there on that website. Yes, on the retreats page of their website. So we are constantly trying to provide more of those because the demand is high. But the the uh, you know the ability to provide those you know because it's growing so quickly. Um, so you'll you'll find that you know they, they may be uh, not something in your area or that it might be a bit of a drive. Uh, you may be wondering how can we get this thing started. What we what, I, what we usually ask is to say take a look at the list, take a look at where we're, where these retreats are happening, and um, if there's not something in your area, give us a call. Because we can strategize as to how to make that happen. Uh, we've got a few teams who, who are willing to travel, and uh, they're very generous because, like, I mean, even for us, so it's not an expensive thing. You know, we, we, we don't charge anything because we've received freely, you know, without having to uh, provide, and, and we're willing to provide that generously. So it's it's not something that's difficult, but it's, it's um, I think, if, if God, you feel like God's calling you to it, it's uh, something we're very willing to, to work with you. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm listening to this and thinking, oh, it could be, it, this could be quite difficult because all of a sudden, <laughs> all of those idle words of, oh, yeah, I promised to do this. Now, all of a sudden, you actually have people checking up on you. And, That's right. And you, it's like when, when, you, when I first became Catholic and you go to confession, I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm actually confessing that an awful lot. Uh, hey, That's right. hey, you're sitting down with your wife and saying, this is what we're going to do as a family. And now you have it written down. You go back and you look at it and you're like, oh, man. That's, we're, we're not doing that yet. We, we said we were you know, going to do that. The first year or two of being involved with domestic church, we always say there's a lot of temptations to discouragement. Uh, but at least we know where we're still, if we know where we are, we know where we're headed. That's right. We've been talking today with David Dawson. He is the national coordinator for domestic church, a great program. Go over to domesticchurchfamilies.com and see about joining up with them. Join the ongoing conversation over on social media, facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we've been talking about strengthening our families and strengthening our marriage uh, with a friend of mine. David Dawson is the Director of Marriage and Family Life for the Archdiocese of New Orleans. He's also the National Coordinator for a program called Domestic Church. You can find out more information by going to domesticchurchfamilies.com. And I am intrigued by this, uh, I even hate to call it a program, it's more of a framework, uh, because th- there, are, uh, there are principles, there are pillars uh, that we follow, seven pillars that you can basically order your life around. But it's not a it's not a twelve step program. It's not a program that says you do this and then you do this and then all will be well, right? Uh, we talked about that a little bit throughout the interview. If you missed any part of it, uh, or if you want to share it, well, by all means, it's in the archives over at outsidethewalls.com Just as soon as the show finishes airing, and I, you know, even if you don't think that you have someone to share it with, I guarantee that someone in your circle of influence, if you're on social media at all, someone in your circle of influence needs this. They need a, an, an e, a simple, it's not necessarily easy, but a simple way uh, to progress as disciples of Jesus Christ within the confines of their marriage. Uh, you know, we don't often think about that. We, we think about being individual disciples, right? I'm going to follow Jesus but we don't necessarily completely grasp what that means. We don't grasp what it means to be more than a Catholic, more than someone who goes to Mass, to be an actual disciple of Jesus Christ. And so this is a program that really breaks it down and says, hey, you want to be a mature Christian. You want to have an adult faith. Come and do these things together as a family, and it'll be in reach. So if you've never shared an episode on social media, today's the day to do it. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. All the episodes are right there. This one's going to be right up at the top. And there's a little button there that says Share. And you click that button and just very easily you can put this on your social media feed for, uh, for all those in your circle of influence to see it. I strongly encourage you to go and do that. There's also more of the conversation with David Dawson. Uh, He and I continue to talk, and that's going to be made available to everyone, supporter or not, by going over to OutsideTheWalls.com and clicking the Patreon link, that Support the Show link. Uh, Each week I give extras to those people who support the show, a couple of extra questions with the guest. But this week was so good that I'm going to extend it to everyone. So why don't you go over there? You can see the different support levels that are there. You can see the other other posts that are made throughout the year uh, with the extra segments available to those who support the show. Uh, Maybe that's something you want to do. Maybe you want to join their numbers and get access to all the extra segments. But regardless of whether you support the show or not, uh, this episode, this extra segment with David Dawson about Domestic Church will be made available to everyone. So this is the day to go check it out, download that extra segment, and benefit from the conversation. Again, that's over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Just click that Patreon link. Now, without further ado, let's turn our attention today to Scripture and to a reading from church history. One of the seven pillars of the domestic church is daily time in Scripture. And what I like to do, because I I find it very accessible, is all throughout the year there are Mass readings for every day of the year, uh, and it's about five to ten minutes worth of reading and so that's what we do here on the show. Generally, we, we pull from Scripture from that week, somewhere in that time frame of this week's show. Uh, we pull one of the readings from the Mass reading. Today, I think the one that best lines up is going to be tomorrow's uh, Responsorial Psalm. 
And so that's the reading we have from Scripture today. But I, I get it over at usccb.org. It's very easy to get a hold of, uh, and it's very easy for you to make this a normal practice in your life as well. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Remember that your compassion, O Lord, and your love are from of old. In your kindness, remember me, because of your goodness, O Lord. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way, and he guides the humble to justice, and teaches the humble his way. Teach me your ways, O Lord. And that's really the cry of our heart, hopefully, as uh, individuals, as married couples, as families, is to recognize in humility that as much as we have some things together, man, there's a whole lot that we still have a long way to go. There are some things that we can say with our mouths that we've learned the answers to, and yet we don't know the way of the Lord. We know the, the words to say, but if we were to try and walk in them, we're not quite there. It's kind of, it reminds me of when I was younger. Uh, I'd sit in the back of the car, and uh, as my parents were driving us around town, uh, I, I recognized everything. I could see it as we drove around. It made sense to me. I knew if we were going to go to a certain place that we would pass this place and then that place, and then we'd go over that and then under that, and then there we were, right? And then all of a sudden, it came time for me to drive, and I realized I don't know where anything is. I recognized it all, but I have no idea how to navigate this on my own. And that's what this prayer is about. Teach me your ways. Help me to navigate this way of life in, in the way that, that is pleasing to you, in the way that, uh, that looks like your son Christ, that, that if I go out there, uh, one, I know that I'm going to be preserved because I'm, I'm following the will of God. But two, that I am actually helping bring about that prayer Thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? Uh, I need to help uh, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ to bring God's kingdom here on earth. And I can only do that if I know how to walk in his way. You're listening to Outside the Walls, and we're talking today about strengthening families. And I thought I was going to have to, in my readings, going to go and pull something out of... um, whether that be Familia's Consortio or some other document from, from Pope John Paul II, because I always get my readings from church history, or most often get my readings from church history, from the breviary, uh, from the Office of Readings, from the week of the show. And, uh, you know, what are the chances that we're going to have something dealing with family in the breviary this week? Uh, and lo and behold, on Monday, we have this beautiful reading from Gaudium et Spes, which is one of the documents of the Second Vatican Council, Uh, dealing with the sanctity of marriage and family. So there you go. Uh, I love it when the Holy Spirit puts that kind of thing together. So this is a reading from number 48 out of Gaudium et Spes. Husband and wife, by the covenant of marriage, are no longer two, but one flesh. By their intimate union of persons and of actions, they give mutual help and service to each other, experience the meaning of their unity, and gain an even deeper understanding of it day by day. This intimate union in the mutual self-giving of two persons, as well as the good of the children, demands full fidelity from both and an indissoluble unity between them. 
Christ the Lord has abundantly blessed this richly complex love, which springs from the divine source of love and is founded on the model of his union with the church. In earlier times, God met his people in a covenant of love and fidelity. So now, the Savior of mankind, the bridegroom of the church, meets Christian husbands and wives in the sacrament of matrimony. Further, he remains with them in order that as he loved the church and gave himself up for her, so husband and wife may, in mutual self-giving, love each other with perpetual fidelity. True married love is caught up into God's love. It is guided and enriched by the redeeming power of Christ and the saving action of the church, in order that the partners may be effectively led to God and receive help and strength in the sublime responsibility of parenthood. Christian partners are therefore strengthened and, as it were, consecrated by a special sacrament for the duties and the dignity of their state. By the power of this sacrament, they fulfill their obligations to each other and to their family and are filled with the Spirit of Christ. This Spirit pervades their whole lives with faith, hope, and love. Thus, they promote their own perfection and each other's sanctification, and so contribute together to the greater glory of God. Hence, with parents leading the way by example and family prayer, their children, indeed all within the family circle, will find it easier to make progress in natural virtues, in salvation and in holiness. Husband and wife raised to the dignity and the responsibility of parenthood will be zealous in fulfilling their task as educators, especially in the sphere of religious education, a task that is primarily their own. Children, as active members of the family, contribute in their own way to the holiness of their parents. With the love of grateful hearts, with loving respect and trust, they will return the generosity of their parents and will stand by them as true sons and daughters when they meet with hardship and the loneliness of old age. That reading again comes from Gaudium et Spes. It's uh, the Constitution on uh, the Church in the Modern World from the Second Vatican Council. I read over that a few times in preparation for, for reading it to you today, and, and I, every time I come to that last paragraph, I laugh a little bit. When it says, children as active members of the family contribute in their own way to the holiness of their parents, I think of the times that my children test me just a little bit, and somehow in their own way, right, in, that, in, in their own way, they contribute to my holiness as I am given opportunities to practice <laughs> virtue. Uh, but also, uh, this, this to me, as I read over this, it just reiterates again the need for some kind of framework uh, to help you as a family to grow in holiness. And I strongly recommend Domestic Church. Go take a look at them over at domesticchurchfamilies.com. Make sure to come over to outsidethewalls.com and share this week's episode. Also click the Patreon link so that you can get this week's free extra content as well. That's all the time we have this week. Today's show is brought to you by the Jepsons and all those who contribute through Patreon. Go to outsidethewalls.com. Click that support the show link. Join the ongoing conversation over on social media. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.